Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelong Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fae encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Howdy, humans. I hope you're doing well. I mean that sincerely. Shit is crazy lately. I think shit has always been crazy. It's just we have more access to it now. Everybody can see the shit very clearly. Our inboxes and Instagram feeds and TV screens are being barraged with negativity regularly. So it's there and it's palpable. And so I just want to say real quick to everyone listening to this right now, I really hope you're okay and take good care of yourself today. I need to hear that all the time. I might need you to remind me at some point. Unglue your eyes from the screen if that's what you need to hear. Take a breath. If you have an Apple Watch, maybe use that breath app that's on there. Comes in handy and it's only a minute. If your instinct is to keep working, maybe slow down and take a break. I'm telling you today because I needed to hear it, so I'm paying it forward. There's a lot of input coming at us in this age that we live in. It's overwhelming. And you're not alone. We're in this together. That's why I do these interviews, because I want to learn more about everything beyond the status quo. I talk about that with today's guest a little bit, this idea of the status quo being not something you really want to be a part of. When people say things like don't question and just do things the normal way and don't push boundaries and things like that, you got to remember the status quo of our world is really fucked up. The status quo is people who are unhappy, people who are anxious and depressed and overwhelmed, people who are not living their dreams, people who are deeply disconnected from their essential natures, people who are deeply disconnected from actual nature. So I will always encourage people to push boundaries and to ask questions and to empower yourself through different practices like witchcraft and whatever other woo practice you might be interested in. Peel back the layers so that we can see the issues that we try to cover up all the time. We're really good at covering up, especially white people. So I'm bringing this up now because it's on my mind. I'm also bringing it up because it pertains directly to the conversation that I have with the guest of this episode, Bex Carlos, who is an audio witch who's been working in the field of audio editing for over 10 years. She's also the host of Tutia Bruja, a podcast about witchcraft, ghosts, and the abnormal from the perspective of people with melanin. She's a practicing bruja herself who has been seriously learning the craft since 2015. Brujeria has helped her face her fears of the unknown. We talk about so many witchy things, but mostly our conversation revolves around cultural appropriation, spiritual bypassing, shadow work, religion, and racism. 
It wouldn't be follow the woo, though, if we didn't also talk about Beck's persistent ghost neighbor who was somehow able to conjure enough energy to move things on a regular basis. That's all I will say, though. You will have to listen to find out more. (laughs) You identify as an audio witch and a bruja, correct? I do. Yes. I've been working in audio for about 11 years. And in that time, you know, you pick up things, you learn things. And when I switched over to editing podcasts, I got to a point where people would listen to my audio and they'd be like, oh my God, the things you can take out, like whether it was a screaming baby in the background, whether it was a dog barking, but the things that I was able to do just really were impressing my clients. So it kind of just started as a joke, like, oh, I'm an audio witch. But then I realized as I was going, I think I am because my roots are, I'm a mestizo Latin person. So I have like a mixture of indigenous African ancestry and European ancestry. They have that oral history and storytelling. And I think podcasting is just a modern way to be able to do that. When did you decide that you wanted to identify as a bruja? I think I've been curious about magic and witches and stuff my whole life. I have this very serendipitous memory. And I don't know if this means anything. I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day when like Disney Channel and a couple of the other channels you'd have, they'd be on cable and sometimes they'd be like the squiggly lines and colorful. So I remember maybe I or someone else was flipping through and it landed on the Disney Channel. And in that very instant, Disney was doing one of those like free weekends thing. And the first movie that queued up was um, Hocus Pocus. I was very young. And ever since then, I think I've been really into witches. But uh, circa 2015, I was still working at a radio station and my friends and I took a girl's trip to New Orleans. And I think that that's when I really started to connect with witchery, if you will. Uh, I started buying candles and oils and just things I could easily incorporate into my practice. And then I would say probably 2008 is I, or 2018 is when I really started to own the term bruja, just because I was just like, I mean, like I like the term witch, but I think I want something that feels a little bit more authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And my mom always jokingly as a kid would be like, ah, brujita mala, brujita mala, which means like bad witch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just one of those things that stuck. And at this point, it's trying to find a space within the space, right? I'm Mexican-American. So I have a, a hard time finding a space sometimes here in the U.S. And I have a hard time finding a space in Mexico. And it's funny because like I've now realized that with which things I kind of have that space too, because there are people who practice Bruhidia who have made it a closed practice and they don't like that other people are also learning about it in a very colonized and whitewashed way, which is understandable. Like when something is yours and then suddenly all these people are interested in it, it doesn't feel like it belongs to you anymore. But I'm also having a hard time because it's like, well, this was a word that was bestowed by the colonizers. And like, this doesn't even label Mm. the practices that, that my ancestors did. With the work that I do, I'm trying to have conversations. And even if we can't all get to the same point, at least have a general understanding of like, there is no one term. It's a whole, umbrella of practitioners and traditions. And one title is not necessarily for everyone. And I know a lot of people who are practitioners who don't even like the term witch. It's about, if nothing else, having conversations, you know, letting people figure out for themselves, like what their their practice or their craft means to them. 
every area in the world has some version of witchcraft. It's obviously called many different things, but it kind of comes back to elementals and using, like you said, candles and oils and spells and things like that. It's interesting that you brought up the term because a lot of times we're reclaiming something that was used negatively against us. And so it's like, well, at what point do we really want to use that term or do we not? It is very controversial, both Bruja and witch, like whatever translation is directly witch, it's never just an easy, oh, everybody agrees that that's like a cool copacetic thing. That's a really good point that you touched on because I think that there are so many people who do spiritual or witchy ass shit that don't even like realize it, but there is that stigma that really keeps them from embracing or even acknowledging that title. And I think that sometimes that can lead to a lot of issues because it's like, if you have this power that you're unwilling to recognize, it's going to lead you to a lot of pain because you're going to probably spend a lot of your life denying that you have this. If nothing else, I feel like the whole point of my podcast and like the work that I do is really to remove a lot of the negative ideas with witchcraft because yeah, do bad witches exist? Of course, of fucking course, but don't like muggle terrible people exist too. We just had a guy, <laughs> up, you know, not one, but three different massage parlors in Atlanta. And he yeah. wasn't a magical person, but he was a shitty person. It takes just realizing that none of us are perfect. And not to say that that guy, you know, fuck that guy. I know that this sounds a little like kumbaya maybe, but my point is when we start to really analyze, like, why do we do this? Why am I like this? Or why am I afraid of this or whatever? I think we can really do the work on ourselves that makes us a better person to really take in this human experience. You brought up a good point more than one, but the one I want to focus on is that if you don't accept your gifts, let's say psychic gifts or magic gifts or however you want to call them, that that resistance can actually cause you pain and suffering over time because there's an internal conflict. It's so sad that so many people experience that because they're not accepting this part of themselves that's so beautiful and so important and it really wants to be cultivated. You felt this at kind of a young age and you didn't really fully own it right until you said, what was it, 2015? 2015, yeah. But even then, you had told me on our preliminary call, you were like a kid or something when you first started to kind of feel that you had, what would you call it? You know, the ability to see things that maybe others couldn't. And it's weird. I just did an interview with someone else and they phrased it in a way that like, I was like, oh shit, that was me too. Because they said that they were very sensitive and they were always scared. Like they were especially scared of going to bed. Like they could not go to sleep without having a light on. And they were always like that up until... I don't know, maybe always like that, you know, and I'm just like, holy shit. I remember sometimes being a kid and staring out into like the darkness and I'm like, do I see faces? And then like that would just keep me up all night because I'm yeah. like, dang, you know, but I think that the thing that probably made it the worst, and we talked about this before is I saw the exorcist like way too young. And I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's, so many people have that shared trauma. So we should all like have a, maybe a clubhouse group. And- I was just going to say, <laughs> like, if you watch the exorcist way too young, like this is the group for you. It's like Reagan played with a Ouija board, which was the occult which was the invitation for this spirit to take over her body. And then there's all these other layers to it, you know, and just so early on, I was like, if I like this type of shit, this is going to happen to me. And so I think simultaneously, I was always battling with like, you 
shouldn't like this stuff. This is so fucked. But I was telling my friend, it's like, don't you miss the days where like we could be interested in murder and witchcraft and people thought we were weird instead of being like, tell us more. And not that that's a bad thing because I'm really glad with true crime cases, especially like that's how you close cases. You get people interested. You know, last year was the year of the emperor because 2020 equals four, which is the emperor card. So you see that in both the fact that we had a lot of terrible atrocious, disgusting human things that were done. But then on the other side, you see a lot of people being liberated, right? You see all of these dark things that have existed in humanity for a long time being uncovered. It's all a process. Sometimes being able to face up to the things that scare us make us better. Yes. You brought up feeling scared as a kid. I love that because I've heard that a lot from people who now are practitioners. And it's almost like we're collectively doing that same thing. We're in this adolescence, almost childish stage of stepping into the sphere of the unknown. And I think it's a really interesting process. I'm curious about what you think is next. Like, Do you have any intuitions for 2021 and the coming years? I think that Social change of any sort is a long thing. I mean, shit, it's been 57 years since we had black and white water fountains. And look at us, we're not that much you know, better as a society. And I think that there are a lot of people collectively who are seeing the ugly things in society. But here in the next maybe like 10 years, we're going to see a lot more change happen a lot more quickly than say our parents or our grandparents did. And I think that it's going to be one of those things that as we see the change, we have to be willing to work on that shadow within ourselves because Mm -hmm. we all got that shadow. And, you know, if your shadow is like, I like to hurt people or I like to feel better than people, or I like to hurt people who are of a culture that's different than me. And it probably isn't that loud. You know what I mean? But if whatever that shadow is, we have to work on it because if not, I feel like right now is the time where If you are not doing the work, any harm that you do is going to come out. I think a lot of people live with fear. We're all worried about someone pulling up the tablecloth, so to speak, like, aha, and there you are, and you're terrible, you know? I don't know what that is. I don't know where that comes from. I don't don't know if it's just like societal shame that we carry. I don't know. But we're in the age of Aquarius now. We're definitely getting to a point where things that were hidden are going to be shown because the age of Aquarius is this time for growth and innovation and beauty and and transforming. Like I said, I think we all need to be able to work on ourselves so that we can ensure that these changes help everyone. Yeah. A lot of people that I've talked to recently have kind of adopted the mantra, the witches are coming. Like the Aquarian age mantra is the witches are coming, which I love. But I, I want to go back to your kid, you're scared, you're feeling almost like you can't handle maybe this input that you're experiencing. Maybe there's a, a thinner veil for you to other feelings and maybe entities that other people don't have access to. How as a kid did you deal with that? And how did you get to the point where now you're feeling so liberated? I was friends with someone for a really long time who, even though we're not friends anymore, they once said this thing and it was meant to be like a dickish thing that they said, but they said it in this snide way that I just never could let go of. And they're like, why are you so angry? I just sat there like, why am I so angry? And then like upon years and doing work and all this stuff, the reason that I was so angry and I'm still angry to this day is for all of the times that I was made to feel lesser than, which mostly came from white supremacy. This one memory comes to mind when I was in third grade. 
and it was like an international food day and we were eating avocados. And I mean, I love avocados and I've loved avocados my whole life because I'm Mexican as fuck and we eat avocados. But I remember in third grade, this kid not only didn't like the avocado, but he ate it and threw up and had to be sent to the nurse. And it was so dramatic. Even as a kid, I remember being like, what the fuck? Everyone noticed I ate my avocado and they thought I was super weird. I'm like, well, I mean, I like it. And they're like, it's gross. And I have so many of those memories where I was othered. And then it's like, why did I feel shitty about that? Oh, because people who did not understand my culture at the time used it to make fun of me and make me feel shitty about it. For me, it was always being aware of things that were not right or not fair. And that sounds like a really arbitrary story, but think about it now. All of those kids probably do eat guac. And it's just the constant reminder that until the lens of white supremacy makes it okay, it's not. I started having all these moments where I was like really emotional and really sensitive for things that like adults would look at me and they're like, well, why are you so upset? And I couldn't put into words why I was so upset. I don't remember anybody ever growing up telling me like what a microaggression was. So it's like, you always just had this really nasty taste in your mouth. I know that this is not okay, but I can't explain why it's not okay. And it's that sensitivity Beyond just like spiritual things, I think that have made me who I am. And are you familiar with uh, human design? A little bit. Yeah. I am an emotional projector, Mm. which means like sometimes when something happens, my first instinct is to react. And then after that initial reaction, I have to pay attention to how it feels. Having so much time in my life being like gaslit or like, no, that's not that big of a deal or no, it wasn't this or no, blah, 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 blah. You know, I think now makes me more in tune to who I am and my voice. Everything I've ever needed was all inside of me. It was just working past these moments, giving context, giving explanations for how I felt. I feel like sometimes I've healed myself because like when you have those memories or you have those moments that you're like, oh yeah, you're like, it's okay, little ribbit, keep that. Like you were just dealing with racism and you didn't know how to deal with it. Definitely. Yeah. Those kids in that class, their parents probably wouldn't even identify as racist, but white supremacy had already seeped in to that simple conversation. It's just everywhere. And queer people, people of color, often they're like, fuck this like traditional kind of path. Let me find something else that's more empowering to me. And that's where I think witchcraft comes in. Did you grow up religious? I did. My parents were Catholic. Yeah. So did you feel like you wanted to even pull away from that status quo into something that was more empowering? When I started to really get into witchcraft, I think there was a lot of nuance there, but I didn't recognize it at the time. So it was like, I always knew that Catholicism wasn't for me. I remember dreading when my mom would read us Bible stories and we would do Bible study. The imageries in the Bible were scary. Like, I think recently we we found that Bible. I'm like, would you have wanted to read this? I think something about religion always scared me. That idea that God is like Santa. It's like, he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. And knows you're <laughs> but I think that that seeped in and I was just like, God's going to punish me. And, you know, I'm not someone who did very well. I mean, even still, I don't do well with authority, but as a kid, I did everything I could avoid to not get into trouble. So with God, I just was like, how do I not get into trouble with God if he knows everything I'm doing? And so I think that that overwhelming sense of like, 
you're already a sinner and he already knows. So there's really nothing you can do to like escape that. That set up a very harmful foundation. The things that I was curious about or had interest in, whether it was witchcraft or sexuality, whatever, I was just constantly told that I was wrong or there was something wrong with me. And then it was just like, how is it that I have more empathy and I'm being told by the church that I don't. For example, abortion is something that I'm like, anybody who wants to get one, who doesn't want to be a parent, go get one. And anybody who has a problem with that, fucking fun for vasectomies. Like, honestly, why are you not upset at men? That's a whole thing that I won't get into. But my point is, why are we incarcerating women, you know, to have to have children that they don't necessarily want or are ready for or whatever. I'm like, how is that ethical? How is that humane? And it was just like all of these questions and discussions I'd have with myself that I'm just like, am, am I the crazy one? Like, I just felt like God helped gaslight me. You know what I mean? Yes. That's a great way to put it. And that's kind of what I mean too, is that the status quo is not healthy, is not happy, is not sane. It's not empathetic. If you are healthier or have more sane thinking and you're more empathetic, it's amazing that you're the outcast, but you start to think you're so fucking crazy. Like, why do I think that this person should be taken care of and they're not? And when you're a kid, that's really confusing, right? Because it's like everything around you seems bass backwards. Like, what is going on? Your mom joked and said, what did she say? Like, bad witch. Yeah. Yes. When you were little, what did she do when you were going through all of this? Did she notice that you were different? Did she support you when you decided to veer away from Catholicism? How did that go? So I will say I give my mom a lot of props for this because even though she did not understand, she never made me feel shitty about it or villainized me. Or I, I mean, I did a podcast episode with a friend of mine and one of her sobrinos, because she's an aunt, her whole show dynamic is that she is also like a witchy aunt. And she was reading a letter that one of her listeners wrote in. And I just felt for them so much because it was like their own family was just like, we're embarrassed of you because, you know, witchcraft is something you want to do. And I understand that when people don't question the status quo, anything that is finger quote perceived as evil. You worry when your kids dabble in it, but I'm just like, it just makes me so sad because that's out of ignorance. I mean, my mom's done magic things with me, nothing too intense or anything, but like I'm a very active cannabis bruja. Like I, I do intention smoking. My whole next season of my podcast is going to be related to all these different topics related to cannabis, the ethicalness of it, you know, supporting the marginalized communities, like people of color in the industry only make up 19%, you know? But anyway, my mom is just really supportive in anything I do. I don't think she always gets it, but I will say that I think that me being the persistent person that I am really helped my mom too, because not that it was always like a super easy conversation, but me insisting on being true to myself and being who I am has made her realize like, this is who she is. This isn't something she's putting on for people. This is for her. And if that's for her, good for her. And I think that she also has a difficult time because she is slowly seeing everything she was told unravel. So it's like, she's kind of at a standstill. About Catholicism? 
Yeah, about Catholicism. She, I think, now sees them as a whole as like an evil entity that does a lot of things to brainwash people when I'm like, yes, yes, mom, that's the whole thing. Um, (laughs) Not to say that people who have their faith, it's not beneficial to them or it doesn't help people because there are tons of people who use God as a great resource and do the right things. I wouldn't appreciate if someone was just condemning my practice and was like, well, fuck the stars and fuck nature and fuck plants. I don't want to sit here and like really shit on Catholicism because I also know that there are are Catholic witches, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever, do what makes you happy. My whole thing is like, at the end of the day is just like, don't yuck somebody else's yum. (laughs) But if we plan to fix the future, we have to look to the past and religion helped justify slavery. It helped justify segregation, uh, interracial marriage, you know, religion helped justify a lot of fucked up things. So I think instead of being very like pearl clutchy about the whole situation, like especially Christians, if you're listening, do more, do more to not be lumped in with those people because those people aren't everybody. You might be a really good one who wants to punch the person who's harassing people outside of the Planned Parenthood. Like that might be you. And that's wonderful. We need you guys. (laughs) But the VIP fans, as they think of themselves, their whole fan club is whack. And I just feel at the end of the day, it's so much wrapped up in getting Sky Daddy's approval. And I'm just like, just stop. I stole that from someone, but I I just love it because that's how I feel about the people who are so religious like that, who are just looking for validation. It's like, is this really how you want to get it? Yeah. You know, it's so gross. I agree. And I think that's what's so enticing about witchcraft in general. You can pull from different mysticisms and religions to further develop your practice or deepen your practice, but you're not, what did you say? Getting the sky daddy's approval. I love that. Yeah. But even some gurus, the good ones, not the molester ones, followed a lot of Christian ideology and they did it a different way. But the difference is, is that theirs was super empowered. They were doing the practices. They were meditating. They were chanting. They were doing pranayama. Some of the most religious people in my life have no practices. And I'm like, well, so what So what is the religion? What do your practices look like? And What do you think about that dynamic? I I think you bring up a really good point because I think that that's true. A lot of people like the Easter Christmas Catholics, the ones who only go to Easter, you know, like what is your practice? Is it yelling at kids at Planned Parenthood? Because for a lot of y'all, that's what it seems like. I'm just going to keep going back to that. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my practice is very much one at the end of the day, following my bliss and doing whatever I need to do without hurting people to get there. I really like working with the moon and knowing when is the best time for say, banishing versus when is the best time for like a cleansing. So I follow the moon and just various aspects of astrology. I I wouldn't say I'm an astrologer. I'm not an expert. I dabble with that. Like you said, I take a little bit from various things. I like working with flowers, dried flowers. I recently found a pressed flower from my senior year of high school from when I went to prom. And arguably that was probably the most insecure I've ever been in my whole life. And it's funny because right before I went off to college, like probably like six months, I just was so into the idea of I'm leaving my hometown. You know, nobody's going to know me. I can, you know, do all these things to transform myself and start my life the way that I want it to, because I had a terrible time in grade school, middle school, and high school. And I think it's because of that being othered. I was just so fucking ready to get out. But not to say that that's unique to me. A lot of people experience that. High school sucks. High school fucking sucks. But I found this flower and I just started thinking, what if I take this flower, this red rose, and I crush it up and I 
use that in various practice of my magic. Cause then it's like, I'm helping undo the last 11 years of things and love that I lacked within myself. So that was really useful. And I incorporated that in a bunch of different stuff. Like I would use some of those rose petals. I mixed it with chamomile and I would put it in like a cannabis smoke, you know, and it helps with the intention of love and loving myself and accepting myself for who I am. And then it was funny because my mom was like, oh, do you want this random envelope of dried flowers from 1998? And I was like, why, yes, actually. (laughs) And so then that was like, well, that's going to help me undo the last 22 years of lacking of self-love. And it really helps. I have all these mixes and stuff that I've done. And I think maybe because I was giving myself the opportunity to focus on myself and loving myself and removing some of that negative energy that a lot of the time isn't even yours, right? It's just shit you've accumulated in your life telling you you're not good enough. Totally. Um, Herbalism is a big part of my practice. I do candle work, especially. I got a lot of fire in my chart and I feel like for me, that's very quick in getting results. I I do tarot and uh, I really would like to dabble in Oracle decks, but I haven't gotten there yet. And tea magic is something else that I work with. Honestly, I feel like I have yet to come across a form of magic I don't like. Mind you, I try not to appropriate because even if I think I had the opportunity to get some, some Palo Santo like from the tree, it's not a huge part of my practice. So I don't really need it. Same with sage. There's blue sage. There's all these different types of sage that exist. So really my practice is just about incorporating what is useful for me and trying to do it as ethically as possible. That's great because I know there's a, a lot of issues with appropriation and using ethical tools. It's kind of like avocado toast again. Everybody wants to sage. Everybody wants to cleanse and get their palm red and everything. Do you think overall it's good? I think it's good most of the time. Back to the age of Aquarius, we're moving out of the Piscinian era, which was, I believe, into... I know. So it's like, instead of needing God or religion or whatever, that's like telling us how to be, we can figure that out for ourselves. We can stand our own or two feet and that kind of aligns with how everything's working out. Right. Because I think the witches are coming because a lot of people they're like, I feel empty inside, or I feel like something is not right. And (laughs) a lot of people are then taking the steps, the measures, the whatever to try and hopefully heal instead of just fill. Because I think that that's sort of the issue, right? Because it's like, if you're using magic to fill the void. Like if you are someone who has no connection to shamanism or whatever, and you're taking all these things and using all these things that don't connect to your ancestors, they don't connect to your specific healing on this planet in this life. It's just kind of like, well, what's the point? Don't just fill that void, try to actually heal, but also don't do it for vanity's sake, because there's also this element of, oh, it's cool to be witchy here in LA, especially. That still, to me, rings Piscean. Yeah. Right? Like that I'm doing this for some kind of visual exterior thing so that I can fit in. And it's like, wait, you missed the whole point, right? Do you have that where you are as well? St. Louis, right? Yeah, I'm in St. Louis. So it's weird because I feel like we here in the Midwest are a little bit more conservative. Like we have occult shops and we have different metaphysical practices, but I still think it's not as woo-woo as LA. I think in LA, you have people who will be business Monday through Friday and then might be like, oh, and I, I did this and now I do retreats on the weekends. And not that that's not fair and just and whatever, and not to say that you aren't doing what you're doing with good intentions. But what I'm saying is, 
there are people who have been doing this a long time. Even myself, like I haven't been doing this a long time. I've been doing this five years. And I know that there are so many people who have so much more wisdom and so much knowledge to share. And I think that that's kind of the problem with everything that's happening right now, because we are so focused on still that idea of the Piscinian area of like, what is trendy? What's beautiful? It's this. You have so many accounts of spiritual people that are nothing more than just pretty photos. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, that's wonderful and all, but like portraying your meat suit over and over and over (laughs) is not healing you. And in some instances, posting, you know, so much vanity about yourself could be hurting. You could be very much hurting the progress that you're making. That's not meant to be judgy, but figure it out for yourself. Be happy. You kind of already said this, we both kind of did with the Piscean to the Aquarian shift, but it is kind of like now you have to figure out how to be your own guru. And it's a messy process, I think, because we're getting confused. But this brings me to something that you brought up before when we talked, which was spiritual bypassing. Mm -hmm. And I want you to explain to the listeners, if you can, what you mean by that and how you've been seeing that in the world lately. Yeah. So it's funny because spiritual bypassing, I feel like is a term that has a lot of different explanations to it, but spiritual bypassing is any type of form in which you are speeding up your spiritual practice or craft or whatever. Like for example, so if you are an individual who pretty much all Irish roots, like maybe you even have a grandmother who lived through the famine. If you are a person with all these Irish Celtic roots, and then you are trying to learn Haitian voodoo, like nothing wrong about that. Like if you want to learn about it, by all means, as a practitioner, you should be aware of other people's practices. I think that that not only makes us more educated and stronger, you can step in for your fellow witch if someone's like calling her shit demon worshiping work or whatever. I think being educated is not the problem. The problem is like, if you are, again, of all that Irish culture, and then you're like, this is my practice. And then say you were to talk to that individual and you're like, hey, why are you doing this? And they're like, oh, because in a past life, For me, that's spiritual bypassing because you are completely disregarding this life and you're very wrapped up in the last life. And it's like, you're kind of missing the point of your mission here on earth this time around if you're so focused on your past life. There's nothing wrong with past lives. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging them. But if your meat suit is not a Black person in this life and you are capitalizing on Black traditions and especially Black practices that were used, if someone who is a white presenting person who is capitalizing on all this Black tradition and things that were used to defend themselves from the colonizers, you're kind of missing the whole point. That is spiritual bypassing. Another example of spiritual bypassing is, again, people who don't necessarily want to do the work to gain the knowledge. So like witch talk is an example. You have so many people who will not do the work. And then as soon as like a video on TikTok is like, this is how you do this. And this is how you do this. And this is how you do that. I keep seeing this over and over. All these kids get Moldavite and they have no idea what it is. And they don't even do the research for themselves. And then they're having this emotional crisis. You are very much welcoming what you bring. Again, another example, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a young woman who was a witch practitioner who was a baby witch and wanted to use Papa Legba to white woman and wanted to use Papa Legba, who was an Orisha in case you don't know, to get revenge on their ex who was a black woman. Working with the Orishas is a whole process. So that's spiritual bypassing. The fact that someone would think themselves so important, whether naivete or not, 
to just think that they can cut the line to get to a Orisha, that's spiritual bypassing. There is not just one example. It's just anything that is keeping you from really and authentically being on your path and learning. You bring up really good examples. It's almost like you're trying to be a master before you're a master. Yeah. It's like you're trying to run before you can even crawl. There is nothing wrong with not knowing. There is nothing wrong with learning. There's nothing wrong with educating yourself. If someone asks you, what does it mean to ground and shield? If you're like, I don't know, that's okay. And that's why you shouldn't seek out things that are beyond your education levels because you could really, really hurt yourself. And I think sometimes people do it out of the skepticism too. But why invite this terrible situation just for what? Why take the chance? Exactly. That might come from like a little bit of the colonized mind and they have to be shown, you know, just be authentic in your path. I I think it's really important too, that you bring up that you need to focus on your lineage as much as possible so that you're not appropriating others. And of course, it's all kind of connected, but how would you tell like a new witch or someone who wants to dabble in these areas about how to navigate not appropriating other cultures? So what I typically do is I tell people to start even before they start really dabbling in magic. I would really advise people like as much as your family history that you know, and there are people who are adopted or time and colonization has like wiped out their family and they might not know a lot and that's okay. But if you know the specific town that your family is from, something that I would suggest that people look into. There's a website called nativeland.ca. And that was a really helpful resource for me because both my parents are indigenous. Well, they're mestizo, but they know specifically the indigenous nations that they come from. And so from there, I was able to kind of do a little bit more research on the area and any other possible groups that we might've been from. From there, I started doing research of my own. I started working with plants that were local to the area that traditionally like are used. I use cilantro a lot. You know, that's something that is used very commonly. I started doing research on the plants that my ancestors worked with. So even if they weren't magical, like I said, cilantro or lime or whatever, what are the magical properties of this? Because then I can't appropriate the customs that my ancestors use. I can't appropriate, you know, if these are things that they use on a regular basis, I'm using things that are traditional and incorporating them into my magic practice. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not traditionally trained. I think that that's something here in the near future I want to look into, Because I think there's a lot of people that like the credentials matter. And I think that they do. They do. I think that some people have not had the luxury to be able to practice in any other form that isn't solitary, you know, so those opportunities are important when you can take them. But really just do research, just really start to learn. I always advise people who are looking into witchcraft for the first time, keep in mind that a lot of the books you're going to read, even if they don't say Wicca on them, they all kind of come back to that. And I think that that's important to recognize because uh, one, Wicca is, I have a lot of beef with Wicca, but I try to like, again, with the Catholicism and stuff, I'm like, whatever helps people helps. But Wicca is one of those traditions that makes it seem like it's been around since like ever, but that's not the case. And it did take from a lot of closed traditions. And it's important to realize that because even if you're like an example I have, I don't really recommend this book, but it's right here. So I'm going to suggest it, which It's by Lisa Lister is the name of the book. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah, I have seen that. I don't suggest it though, only because she's kind of transphobic in the way that she says that all of your magic comes from your vagina. And I'm just like, but what about non-vagina owners? And, you know, magic, sometimes it can be very binary as well, but 
I think that's kind of comes from the colonized approach to it because like a lot of indigenous traditions and early people of a lot of places had two spirits or some type of embodiment of multiple genders. So anyway, this is all to say, just do some research on your traditions, really start to like learn about the plants, uh, tools that your family used. And I think that that really does become helpful. Like I use the the veladoras, the seven day candles, if you will, because that is very traditional in my culture because there are so many Catholics. So that's what people use. And that's just become one of my favorite tools, the big, thick seven day candles. You said before that skeptics sometimes will like take a chance on certain magical practices and then they come crying later because they accidentally brought something in. I've had that happen to me early on where I was in a circle and I didn't realize the true importance of keeping that circle tight and I broke it and I brought in an entity and I didn't like him. And so I had to go and speak to elders to help me get rid of this guy. And they did and it was fine. But I learned a lesson. What do you have to say for people who don't necessarily have access to elders like that? Do you think they should be practicing rituals? I have been someone who's mostly taught myself from books And I know that I'm lacking that connection to an elder because I think it is important to get the perspective of people and how they fucked up early on. Because I think that there's something to be said about youth, right? Because even though I joke around, I'm like, oh, the youth, I'm still young. And I know that sometimes when people who are older than me are just like, don't do that. I'm like, the fuck you mean? You know, so I, that's (laughs) something I have to get over myself. I have an issue sometimes with authority, but I think that in a magical space, I'd be a little bit more understanding, I guess, because it's like, we are doing this thing. You are teaching me this thing that's beyond colonial ideas and beyond the authority that I've been used to. So I think that it's very, it's a very essential tool because the wisdom and knowledge that you get from elders is very important. It's so much more than what you can get out of a book. But I do realize that that is a privilege and not everyone can do that, whether time constraints be the, the reason, whether money, whether resources. I mean, location, location, everyone's path is different. Some people just don't like working with other people because it does make you responsible for those people, whether or not they're in your coven. You know, if Marcy doesn't listen to anybody and loves to break the circle, we all have to deal with the consequences, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) right, right, right. I, I do understand the need for elders, but I also understand why people would rather just work by themselves and uh, Mm -hmm. only be responsible for themselves. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to each person and what feels right for them in their practice. And access. yeah. Yeah. What do you feel about this good vibes only kind of thing? People who are just like, oh, I love witchcraft and it's all love and light. From my tone, you can probably tell what I feel about it. Do you come across that a lot and how do you handle it? Yeah, I do. I hate the good vibes only mentality. I think that it is very rooted in trying to ignore sometimes real things, right? So it's like if you have a friend, say this person is a afro latin individual you know they deal with a lot of bullshit on the regular you have the racism from people not knowing that you're latin and addition to black but then you also have the shit that black people deal with on a normal basis right that person is going to deal with things on a different level than what you do right or what i do because even i have lighter skin and I, i always joke around that i'm of the group of people where people are like but what are you but when you're black you don't have that luxury like people are like okay well whatever else you are 
you are black. Say your friend is like venting about their life and the things that they've gone through, which are legitimate. And it's not coming from a, oh, woe is me place. It's like, look at all this bullshit that I've dealt with. If you're that friend who, when they're telling you about this and you're just like, good vibes only, like, oh my God, just let it go. You're a terrible fucking person because not only are, do you not care about your friend's racist shit like you are seriously shutting it down you are shutting it down and basically telling them to be okay and complicit in their own dehumanization and i don't fuck with people like that because i think that at the end of the day those are people who benefit from white supremacy and then not to say that it's just white people because there's a lot of pick me people of color out here that also benefit from that and they sometimes like being the only person in a space of magic people who are of that group because it makes them special. A lot of practitioners are very confused and they think that shadow work is something only gray witches, which I really don't like colorizing magic, but you know, people who are kind of like in the middle and do all types of stuff. But I think that a lot of times these witches think that shadow work is only something that people who deal with all types of magic have to deal with. It's like, no, even if you're a light worker, you should do shadow work because there are parts of yourself that are ugly and maybe that's why you're a good vibes only person because maybe even though you want to just live in a world where it's super positive and stuff you don't want to deal with your own things that have put you down or whatever my mom is like that my mom is someone who in her family she was the darkest skinned one and she saw a lot of issues and things related to colorism she doesn't like talking about it though it makes her really upset and she's like i don't want to bring up those bad memories but then it's like you have to bring up those bad memories sometimes because you have to work through it and you have to realize that that wasn't me that was like the asshole racist around me you know what i mean but you internalize that shit i really love i mean he's a revolutionary so i love everything about him but emiliano zapata has this quote that's like i'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees if i'm uncomfortable or something somebody is doing is uncomfortable whether it's just kind of like oh no don't talk about this I'm going to say something and I don't feel like you can be a witch and be good vibes only. How can you take on the title of a witch and have all these years of oppression and hurt and toxic things that have happened to people who are witches, even if they weren't witches, how can you take all that on and then just be silent when your people around you are dealing with oppression? I just, I don't know what you are. You're not a witch, you know? Well said. I mean, we live in a polarity planet. How can you just cut out all of the darkness? And again, this is another form of spiritual bypassing, right? If you don't acknowledge your shadow work, your shadow is still going to be there. The point is, and people maybe don't realize this, when you can do that shadow work, when you can release those things that are weighing you down, you have more room for abundance and growth and for being on the road that you want to be on. And I feel like that in itself is a very colonized idea of like being on and versus off the path. Like everything is your path. You know, this whole journey is your path. This whole life is your path. Whether or not you feel you're doing the things you want to do at the end of the day is part of it. But to take it back to the metaphor of like being on or off the road, but when you can, you know, take those side roads and see things that allows the picture to get bigger, in my opinion. I think people get confused. It's not mutually exclusive. If you want to live a happy life, it doesn't mean that you eradicate the dark. I think that's the misconception. The dark is an essential part of a happy and balanced life, especially as somebody who wants to manifest cool shit in their life. You don't just eradicate the dark. You use it as contrast to create even brighter shit or however you want to say that. Is there anything else that you want listeners to hear that's specific to your practice or your story or just general advice for people that you just wish you could scream from the rooftops and everybody would hear you? Don't be a racist. 
<laughs> um, the other than that, I think that internalized racism is something we all have, right? At no matter how small or how large, we all have these things. And I get being uncomfortable and I get not wanting to say the wrong thing. I was that person. I'm from St. Louis and Ferguson's not that far from me. And when Mike Brown happened, I think that it made a lot of us uncomfortable to talk about race. It's like, am I going to say the right things? Am I going to offend somebody without meaning to? I think that's why a lot of people stay quiet on this topic. And what staying quiet has done, it's got us to this point where it's been 57 years and we haven't progressed that much further beyond different water fountains. I am a big believer and we have to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable because again, finally we can liberate ourselves and we don't have to fucking live within the simulation that we've been told we have to. That's part of the shadow work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, don't be a racist and uh, focus on your skincare because I think <laughs> nobody really stresses that to us. And I'm just saying I'm 30 years old and I eat like garbage, but my skin looks fresh as fuck. So if I can have fairly good skin by moisturizing and drinking water, so can you. Yes. For the listeners, we are having this call via video and it is true. She has excellent skin. So don't be a racist and also look wash into skincare. Face. Yeah. <laughs> At the bare, bare minimum, wash your fucking face. <laughs> well, let me ask you this last question. What is the most profound spiritual, paranormal or supernatural experience that you've ever had? Going back to the exorcist, I used to live in this apartment that was down the street from the events that inspired The Exorcist. And no, um, thank you. Yeah. It was, it was funny. I didn't realize this until I'd hooked up with this fella and he was like, oh, did you know that that's da, 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 da? And we're looking out my window. And then my building was already creepy. So it's like, oh, great. Another layer to how creepy this fucking street is. I was working two jobs. I was working like a double. I was going from one job to the other job and I was dog walking. And so the days leading up to Thanksgiving, there was this really weird smell. And I was just like... Okay. And you know, you think it's maybe all the different types of cooking that are happening. And so I didn't really think much of it. And then I had this weird instance, like even three or four days before I started to notice the smell. And it was my cat, who's the most spoiled cat in the whole world, but it was his got him day. And so we had gone out to Red Lobster and we're like, we'll give him like a piece of crab and piece of shrimp and a piece of lobster and we'll see if he likes it. But he was not even interested in that. And he was running off to the wall and like scratching at it intensely. To the point where we had to take him out of the room several times and he would just like run back. So we're like, well, that's weird. And then there was that smell. And again, I didn't really think too much of that. This was like the Tuesday before. So Wednesday, I worked a double. I was gone most of the day. I came home. I fed my cats. And then I went to go spend time with my family on Thanksgiving or whatever. And then I had come back and that smell got worse. That smell got worse. And so I was just kind of like, what the fuck is happening? I was going up and down the hall with like Febreze. And there was just something where I knew that it was more than just a normal smell. And then a couple of days later, I find toe tags like in front of my apartment, just all over the ground. I'm like, okay, weird. And then I go to the pharmacy to go grab something. And I come back and I'm talking to the doorman. And I'm like, hey, what happened on the third floor? Like, why is there this really strange smell? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy died. So turns out he had been there for a while. His family wasn't even aware. The only reason that they knew something was wrong is because he didn't show up to Thanksgiving. He was up there for like maybe 11 days. And I was like, I found out that my neighbor had died and real nice smells were omitting from his apartment. So that was already like very weird. And then after that, my cat started meowing and doing all these weird things, especially at the wall where our walls met. I remember having this instance where I was packing up my bag and going to work. And I remember being like, do I have lotion in my purse? And I was like, cool, I do. All right, let's go. Because I worked at the time at like a pastry shop. So I was always washing my hands and they always would dry out. Anyway, come back from work. There's a bottle of lotion 
on my bed. And I know for a fact, I didn't put it there. And I'm kind of a stony bitch, like stony witch. And so I fucking always forget things. But I know for a fact that I looked at that bed before I left. So that was strange. Weird things like that. It was always the worst when the veil is the thinnest. So between Halloween to the second, which is like Dia de los Muertos and all that. I was at my computer, which I had my back to the wall that we shared. And someone started picking up the back of my necklace and dropping it. Picking up like several times. And I was just like, I'm just going to ignore this. So I ignored it. And then it felt like a punch through my stomach, like very cold. And then I just didn't hang out by that wall for a while. But I would say that was the most invasive thing because I realized that because my cat was the first one to realize he had died, he was like, someone's there, you know, they're noticing me. Mm. And so that kind of gave him the invitation to roam around. So yeah, it was pretty bad for a while. And then one day I, because remember everyone, you are the witch in the situation. You are the one who tells them to stop. One day I just lost it and started banging pots and pans. I was like, get the fuck out of my house. You don't pay rent. And so I was just like freaking out. Yeah. After that, it got better around Halloween and stuff. It would still kind of happen, but that was really the worst of it. So yeah, that one really messed me up. (laughs) Wow. That's intense. Yeah. But good lesson, though, right, is that you were empowered and you said, get the fuck out. You don't pay rent. And and that's a great lesson for listeners who want to get into this stuff. You have to be very firm and tell them to get the fuck out or they're just going to keep coming and messing with you. They feed on fear to take it back to the beginning where I was like, oh, I was so scared of all these things. They fed on my fear. So now I don't give them the opportunity. I'm just like, nope. even if I'm super scared. You got to pretend you're not. At the end of the day, it's like, fake it till you make it with ghosts, you know? (laughs) Eventually the scariness will pass. Do you still live in that apartment? No, I've moved out now. Okay. Um, Yeah, which I'm glad about. It's funny. I I have an episode of my podcast about it where my partner and I talk about it because he's a huge skeptic. And that was the first time that like, he's like, maybe there is something here. Wow. A lot of energy too, to be able to pick up your necklace that many times. They were able to really conjure some kind of energy to be able to do that that apartment itself I I think there was just something maybe it was a portal or something because there was a lot of random weird deaths in that place not to like the CISO hotel levels Mm. because I don't know if you've ever looked at a list of all of the deaths that have happened it's wild fucking wild there is a certain point where it's like that scares the living bejesus out of me that is a portal right do you think I think it is it's called hotel on Maine or something now yeah I think that's what it's called very smart to rename it spirits most of the time you know are things that have lived on this planet so they don't really have a whole lot of energy to be able to like hurt you or even get into your body the things that you need to be afraid of are the entities that could possibly be something else you know they're beyond spirits they they never walked the earth as human so how do you protect yourself against them? I always recommend uh, a protection spell. So what you will do, nail clippings, hair, anything that is yours. You could even, if there's multiple people that live there with you, you could take your pet stuff. You could take your partner's stuff, put it all in a jar, put some other, some protective herbs in there and then bury that as close as you can to your front door. Because realistically, if there's something magic or just an evil spirit coming for you, it's going to attack that first before it makes it to you. And why would it choose that first? So if it has your nails, it has your hair. It's confused essentially to think that it's going after you. It's like settling because it's like, it's enough of the smell or whatever, you know, like with bloodhounds, it's kind of like that. It's like, oh, we found it. But it's like a decoy, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Thank you. 
I appreciate yeah. that. We'll be like out in front of our apartment building in, in LA, like <laughs> digging shit up. Like People are going to be like, what the fuck are they doing? Don't uh, worry about it. <laughs> is there anything else, any last words that you have? I know you already said skincare and don't be a racist. Yeah. Just be good to each other really at the end of the day. And like, I'm working on it. I feel like sometimes I get a little critical of people and I'm like, we're all just trying to survive the simulation. So, you know, just learn, learn to be better. And at the end of the day, it's like witches are all doing their thing and there's good witches and there's bad witches, but there's a lot of great people who are trying to switch the conversations. Yowza. Well, Per usual, we went all over the place during this conversation, and honestly, I never know where we're going to go. I have an outline for all of these calls, but it almost doesn't matter because we end up talking about whatever we want to talk about anyway. So understanding the consequences of spiritual bypassing and cultural appropriation is extremely important for every spiritual practitioner, not just for witches people, all the woo people, and not just all the woo people all the people. Definitely make sure you check out Bex's podcast, Tutia Bruja, wherever you listen to podcasts or at her website, bexbecasting.com. Season two of her podcast will be all about cannabis, so you definitely want to tune in for that. If you want to investigate the website Bex references to research your lineage more, it is native-land.ca. You can also follow her on social as well. All of that info will be available to you in the show notes for this episode. As always, if you have any specific questions about witchcraft or any other woo topic, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com and I'll do the best to answer your questions. I'd love to hear your stories as well. All right, humans, until next Woo Wednesday. Thank you for following The Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow The Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the Order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a Woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 